is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. I'm just going to uh, read uh, the scripture for, the, for this morning. Uh, we're looking at Acts 10, uh, and then we're really looking forward to Ray uh, bringing us the word this morning. So if you can uh, turn to your Bibles, uh, we've got Acts chapter 10, um, and uh, yeah, we're going all the way through to verse 48, so uh, hold on. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came out to him and said, Cornelius! Cornelius stared at him in fear. "What, What is it, Lord? he asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and had a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened, and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, "'Get up, Peter. Kill and eat.'" Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or clean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent out by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate or visit with a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. 
So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, Three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour, at three in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts for the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message of God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge and living of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Lovely, great. Thank you for that, um, Adam. That was brilliant. That was a long uh, piece of scripture to read. Uh, but we've got some kind of context of where, what we're going to be looking at this morning. So uh, thank you for that. So welcome, everybody, this morning, uh, especially to you guys here at Jubilee uh, in the quad. And uh, hello to all those that are watching online. And hopefully this morning uh, you'll be blessed as, as, as we look towards God's word this morning. Before we do that, let's just bow our heads and, and just pray together. Father, we thank you, uh, Lord, that you've been with us this morning already in our worship as we've come before you. We thank you for your goodness and your love, Lord. We thank you that you've spoken to us, Lord, already, Lord, regarding that we are your children and we are so blessed to know that truth, Lord. And I pray as your children that you will speak to us this morning, that Holy Spirit, that you will move in our hearts, that you will speak where we need to hear you. Lord, that we might have listening hearts and ears this morning and that we might be obedient to what you call us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, I've got quite a lot to go through this morning. In fact, when I first started looking at this, I thought this is a two-week thing, not a one-week thing. 
And this morning I was still frantically trying to cut it all down. So forgive me if I carry on a bit. I'll try not to, but um, just to, to cover the things that I really felt godly on my heart this morning. If you want a title for this morning's uh, talk, um, I've named, named it Hearing and Obeying God. Hearing and Obeying God. This morning we're going to be looking at chapter 10 and maybe a little bit of chapter 11, um, or at least make some reference to that as we go along. As I've been uh, reading through Acts of the Apostles, I've been very much drawn and challenged by these two chapters. And uh, as I've been reading around it and reading about what other commentators have said, I came across this one commentator who says the following. He says, The tenth chapter of Acts is one of the most important chapters in Acts. Perhaps also one of the most important chapters in the Bible. It is so important because it tells us how the gospel that was originally thought of in exclusive terms, Jewish, came by the intervention and revelation of God to practically, as well as theoretically, a gospel for the whole world. And I think that sums it up very aptly. In essence, what he's saying is that the gospel is not only for the Israelites. It's not only for the Jews. It is for everybody. It includes everybody. And that is an amazing truth um, that we're going to be looking at this morning. So just a quick overview, a brief overview of chapter 10. So Cornelius um, has a vision from God. And around the same time, Peter also receives a vision uh, from God. Peter then is led to meet Cornelius. Chapter 11, which we haven't looked at, and just at the very beginning, what happens there is Peter retells the story essentially in chapter 10 um, and the events that took place with Cornelius when he faces criticism from members of the Jewish circumcision group in Jerusalem. I I, I love these uh, chapters because it fascinates me the way that God is so sovereign in all that he does. The way in which he so wonderfully orchestrates and executes his plans for the church and the life of individuals is truly amazing. The whole episode is re- has sort of like rekindled um, a deep desire within me to want to see God speak more and move more within my own life as well in the life of Jubilee Church. To hear from God, to be, to be excited by what he's doing, um, to step out in faith, to take a risk and trust the guidance of the Holy Spirit, to have a sense of renewed adventure. Maybe you found yourself in a place where you feel stuck, lacking adventure. Then listen on and ask the Holy Spirit to renew that sense of adventure for you. From the opening verses, we see that Cornelius was a non-Jew, an officer in the Roman army, who no doubt had learned about the God of the Jews and was drawn towards him. For a non-Jewish believer, the description that follows concerning his counter is something special, to say the least, the way that he is honoured by other Jewish believers. Jewish believers of that time respected and appreciated these God-fearing Gentiles, as they were known. But they could not really share in their life and homes and food with them because they were considered as Gentiles, 
are not fully Jewish converts. In verse 7, it says, When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. So the angel relays specific instructions and guidance to Cornelius. Cornelius doesn't hesitate, but after hearing from God, instantly obeys his instructions. Meanwhile, Peter also received a vision and was perplexed and puzzled about the vision that he had received. He wondered what it meant and was trying to understand what the Holy, was, Holy Spirit was saying to him. Notice in verse 10, if you've got your Bibles there, it says that Peter was hungry. Peter could have easily have put this down to the fact that it was the hunger which got him thinking about food. But no, he persisted to understand the vision. He had discerned that this was indeed a message from God. You know, we can so easily reject something that God is saying to us as a nonsensical, irrational thing. If it doesn't immediately make sense to us, and the vision that Paul had received didn't seem to make sense to him. I want to encourage you not to be hasty in rejecting uh, something that God speaks to you about, if it doesn't make sense. Or put it down to the cheese and wine or the extra piece of cake that you had maybe the night before. Don't dismiss it straight away. Seek clarification from the Holy Spirit. You know, God has a wonderful way of getting through to us. We need to be prepared to listen, though, which sometimes isn't always easy to do. The vision Peter received was totally against his understanding, experience, and practice as a Jewish believer. It was totally contrary to what he had been taught and what he held dear. Notice Peter's reaction. Three times he says, No, Lord. In verse 14, the vision and instruction Peter received was very clear. Peter, sorry, get up, Peter, kill and eat, verse 13. The Jewish law was very clear. Jews were forbidden to eat anything impure, especially food that, was, uh, that had been sacrificed to, to idols. They were only allowed to eat kosher food. Anything outside of that was an abomination to God and God's laws and rules regarding the eating of foods. And it was all clearly laid out in the Old Testament. This is why Peter reacted so vehemently to the command to kill and eat the unclean animals. He just couldn't get his mind around it. Nevertheless, Peter did not dismiss it. He didn't think it was a wine the night before, as we might often think. But Peter came into a fuller understanding of what God was saying to him as he followed the instructions. It's as he followed the instructions. There may be many times in our lives when we are seeking God's guidance and we're not sure about the next step. Maybe you're there right now. And we may ask ourselves, is God really speaking? Like Peter, we might be considering what God is saying, but it isn't until in obedience we take the next step of faith that we discover 
that God indeed was leading us. So if you are at that place at this moment, just lean in that little bit more. You know, even if we're not used to hearing the word of God, God can still get through to you. And I believe that God is speaking to some people here this morning. It would be great for God to give us the complete download of what he wants to do. But he chooses most times not to do that because his ways are best. And we have a learning curve of hearing and obedience to experience. Paul was required to take certain steps of obedience before everything became clear. And we likewise also need to follow those steps. Along with the strict customary food restrictions, there were the Levitical ceremonial regulations, rules and laws regarding keeping oneself pure, which meant not allowing oneself to come into contact with anything or person that was deemed to be unclean or impure. Gentiles were considered unholy and impure. So when the soldier and the two servants uh, sent by Cornelius found the house and stopped at the gate asking for Peter, more than likely Peter would have treated them with suspicion and would have not have responded to them, especially with a Roman soldier accompanying them. But Peter followed the instructions given to him in his vision. Up until this point, generally, Peter was preaching to the Jews only. He had not fully understood the command and the commission that Jesus had given to him in Matthew chapter 28 regarding preaching to all nations. However, in this instance, in verse 19 and 20, we see clearly instructive not to hesitate, but to meet the men and go with them. So he did. He asked them why they had come, and the men explained the vision their master Cornelius had received and the instruction for Peter to go with them to the house of Cornelius. Then he does something astounding. Verse 23. He asks them to come in and be his guests. Bit of a cheat, especially when it's not his house. But there you go. This is a big deal. Peter has now stepped over the traditional and customary boundary line forbidding him to mix with non-Jewish people. Already something is starting to happen in Peter's heart and Peter's mind. We find in the New Testament that there were fractions and groups of Jews who were more fanatical and zealous than others. For example, the circumcision group, so-called, who held fast to the idea that without circumcision you could not be accepted as a believer. Their understanding of God's plan for all nations and all peoples was not fully developed in their minds or their hearts. The Lord was working to establish this truth, and he was doing it through Peter. And he was working it out through Peter's vision to cement this truth into the church. Both Peter and Paul, later in the New Testament, spoke into and addressed this issue to clarify the scriptures. That is, that Christ... that. Sorry, that is, that in Christ there is no distinction between Jew and Gentile, slave or free. They are all under grace and all 
no longer under the law. And you find that in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 and 22. We were foreigners, Paul says. We were hostile, Paul says. We were without hope, Paul says. We were without a, a, a saviour. Yet that all changed as Christ died on the cross and gave himself for us. And the church was required to try to catch up to that truth during this time. Verse 23, so the guests were invited in and served. And the following day, Peter, along with his six companions, set off to Joppa, to, from Joppa to Caesarea to see Cornelius. Just a word on hospitality here. Peter was truly hospitable beyond uh, what he was really asked to be. And we've been talking about hospitality over a couple of weeks. And Graham's brought some excellent messages about that. And if you missed those, I really want to encourage you to um, get a hold of those and, and listen to them. You can um, get them off the, the, our website in the media section. So do just please listen to that. So I'm not going to say a great deal about hospitality. Only to say, next week is our third uh, session on hospitality. So do just please have a look at that. And, uh, and I'm sure you will be encouraged and, and challenged by that. So when they reached Caesarea, verse 24, Cornelius was all prepared and had gathered his family and relations together so that they could hear what Peter had to say. Cornelius could have quite easily have waited to get his household and relatives together when Peter actually arrived, but he didn't. He was sure and he trusted the angel, what the angel had said to him and acted decisively. He was unwavering. And the word to underline there is decisively. Peter then proceeded to share with him all that was on his heart. And he says in verse 28, You are, all, sorry, I'll start again. You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. What a way to address a crowd of people who are anxiously, anxious, sorry, anxiously waiting to hear uh, from you by telling them that it was against the Jewish law for him to be there. How bizarre is that? He obviously um, didn't get around to reading Del Carnegie's book on how to win friends and influence people. They must have really felt welcomed and honoured. However, Peter then speaks honestly and explains what God has revealed to him. Peter's journey so far has been listening, reflecting, and wondering what God was showing him with steps of faith along the way. And now it was all falling into place. It was a journey and a lesson of hearing and obedience. It started with God having to speak to Peter three times and Peter's rejection and refusal to what God was saying. Peter could have easily dismissed the whole matter, thinking God would never ask him to do such a thing as kill these animals and eat them. But he was mature enough to recognize and know when God was speaking to him and he persevered and obeyed. Peter had not arrived to this point 
of understanding without faltering and experiencing uncertainty as well as getting it wrong. And we will all at some point experience the same when it comes to hearing and obeying God. Peter had learned to be sensitive to the prompting of the, and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Hearing from God is an ongoing journey. When we think we've cracked it, God may change the tact and the way in which he guides us to keep us on our toes, so to speak. His guidance may come in a slightly different way than before, which means we have to listen more intently and intentionally. But God always accomplishes his will even when we falter and we get it wrong. The Old Testament story of Jonah is a good example. Then we have Peter's own story. It took three attempts from God to get through to Peter. God understands these patterns, but still has a way of getting through to us, which I find is so reassuring and comforting. Maybe God is speaking to you and you're not quite sure that it's God. Maybe you're perplexed as Peter was, thinking, what is this strange message, Lord? What does it mean? Don't worry. I know that's easily said. Do as Peter did. Ponder and weigh it up. Pray about it. Ask the Holy Spirit for understanding. Sometimes God wants us, sometimes God wants to get us on our own and get all of our attention. And this is one way that he does that. Just want us to pause a minute for a moment. I want us to close our eyes and I just want to reflect on just a, a couple of things. We've been talking about being led by the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about hearing and obeying. And in a quiet, I just want to ask you if God has been speaking to you and whether whether you're in a place where you're hesitating. You're delaying. You're unsure about what God's saying. Maybe you've heard God saying it to you, speaking it to you, but you're being defiant and disobedient. I just want to invite the Holy Spirit to come right now. Holy Spirit, will you come right now in Jesus' name? Would you continue to confirm, encourage us where we are at in hearing from you? I want to pray for those who are hesitant this morning and not sure that Holy Spirit, you will confirm things to them that you will give them the wisdom and the grace to take the steps they need to hear from you. I want to pray for those who have heard your word, yet for whatever reason they find it difficult to obey. I want to ask right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would break through. You will break down those barriers. You will reveal your truth, Lord, in an undeniable way that you will turn things around for their good and for the extension of your kingdom in their lives. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. There's nothing wrong with being unsure. It's a natural instinct and it may be helpful to seek the advice 
from those who are more mature in hearing from God and together weighing it up and understanding what God is saying. There's nothing more encouraging, uplifting and confirming than when the Holy Spirit turns up and confirms and seals everything God has planned and spoken to you about. I'm sure many of you here this morning, as well as those watching online, will have had at some time received a word from God to share with someone else. And then received confirmation from that, from that person that it was for them. There is a sense of humility and gratitude towards God when we are in that situation, as well as joy of knowing that we've been used by God in this way. Showing a word or a picture or a piece of scripture that God has laid on your heart, however small, can be such a blessing to the person or persons who it is meant for. I want to encourage you, if you are someone who finds it hard to bring a contribution uh, when we gather corporately here on a Sunday or in a life group maybe, I want to encourage you to take steps of faith and ask the Holy Spirit to help you step out in faith and share what you believe God has put on your heart. Whoever's hosting or leading the meeting or life group is there to help you and offer guidance and assist in weighing up your contributions so that it fits in with what God is doing at that time. You're in a safe place. It's not about us. It's about trusting and hearing him. You may be thinking, God never speaks to me. God is always wanting to speak to us. We need to be willing channels to hear his voice and obey. Why not pray and seek God for a contribution this coming week? A good place to start may be within life group setting where you know everyone and feel safe in their company uh, to bring a contribution. Have a chat with your life group leaders and let them help you with this. On that point, if you're not part of a life group this, uh, at the moment, I really want to encourage you to take steps to join one. There's five um, all in different locations in the city, and you can get more information about that off our website. Please do, uh, do join a life group. That's part of where we live life out as, as people of God. This has been an incredible journey for, for Peter so far, but there's more to come. Verse 29, so when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius then proceeds to tell the story of his vision and the angel and the instructions that he had received. How amazing is this? God is speaking to two different people at two different locations and bringing them together. I find that fascinating. Notice in verse 30 that it was while Cornelius was praying that he received the vision. It was while he was praying that he received the vision. After listening to Cornelius, Peter confidently speaks to those who are gathered to hear what he has to say. Verse 34, then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation, the one who fears, and fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Peter says, I 
now realize the penny finally dropped. Everything came together and it made sense. This would have been the case. This wouldn't have been the case if Peter had not obeyed the instructions given him and taken those small steps to get him to this position. God might be asking you to do something very small. It isn't until you take that step that he will lead you on from there. There may be times when the Holy Spirit wants to show us something or use us in a particular situation, but we have not taken the steps to position ourselves to receive the next piece of guidance or instruction. Peter took the correct steps. He obeyed. The, he obeyed. the Holy Spirit brought understanding to him and Peter understood. What a difference, a marked difference from when he first got the vision to where he's at now. He's in Cornelius' house preaching to a crowd. Who wouldn't want a crowd to preach to? Yeah? All set up for him. 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came and all who heard the message, and all who heard the message, the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they had heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're in there. We're part of this, guys. We're part of God's family. What's amazing, uh, what an amazing event and encounter the Gentiles experienced. What a glorious confirmation this was for Peter, as well as Cornelius, having gone through that uh, process and journey of hearing from, from God. Peter said, Surely no one can stand in their way of being baptized with water. They had received the Holy Spirit just as we have. God clearly demonstrated his love and acceptance of the Gentiles in the same way he did those on the day of Pentecost. And so in verse 48, Peter says, So, he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus. Then they asked Peter to stay with them a few days. Baptism was the next natural step. And it made perfect sense to get all these guys don't. And that's what happened. Hallelujah. I love it when people get don't. I love it because they testify about a change in their lives. What God has done for them. They go underneath the water and they come back out a new person. Not because they've been washed with water, but because they've been washed and had a real experience of the living God in their lives. So if you're up for baptism, come and see me later on and we can share a little bit more how we can get you baptized. I love it when they get dumped. Praise the Lord. Who wants to be led like this? As for me, Lord, I'm up for this. You know, there's been times in my life and God has sort of led me um, nowhere as similar as this, but he's done some remarkable things and I've, I've just been back in awe and thought, wow, God, you know, um, you're just amazing. And, and I'm sure that you've got stories where you can share the same thing. And guess what I'm trying to say is God is not a distance God this morning. God is a real God and he's here and he wants to talk to you. The thing is, are we listening? Are we hearing? And more importantly, are we obeying? I just want to make a note of this. I just want this to register with you guys. 
It all started with prayer. Remember me saying that before? It all started with prayer. And I want to take this opportunity to invite everyone, all of you here and those online, to join AMP. What's AMP, you may ask? Well, it's a 30-minute weekly prayer meeting that starts at 6.30 on a Wednesday morning. And we've had a great time of prayer. We have seen so many answers and blessings to prayer. Sincerely, brothers and sisters, you can't afford to miss this. Why not join us this Wednesday? Again, you can get the information from the website or come and see me um, at the end and I'll give you more information about that. Now, time's getting on very quickly. So, chapter 11, the apostles said, uh, sorry, the, chapter 11, verse 1, the apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of the uncircumcised men and ate with them. Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. So he tells them the whole story, word for word, as it was. And then, notice the reaction of the believers at Jerusalem. They criticized Peter. Pay particular attention to what they said to him. You went into the house of the uncircumcised men and ate with them. This is Ray's paraphrased version. What were you thinking, Peter? What, what could you, how could you do such a thing? If that wasn't enough, you sat with them. You went into their house. Then you ate with them. Come on, man. What, what is happening to you? Raise paraphrase version. Peter handled their harsh criticism with great wisdom and calm. The criticism was raised by a particular group called the Circumcision Group, a group of strict Jewish Christians, perhaps of the Pharisaic background. You can learn more about them in Acts 11, chapter 11, verse 2, and Acts 15, 1 to 5. One would have thought that his critics, mostly the Circumcision Group, would have at least rejoiced in the fact that more people had been added to the church. But no! No mention of the blessing of God. Instead, harsh criticism. They were more concerned with his entering Cornelius's house and dining with him than the miracle of God that saw a crowd of Gentiles saved and baptized. How bizarre. Beware of the critical spirit which focuses on the negative at the expense of the positive. It was God's initiative that brought about this glorious outcome. So they were indirectly criticizing God. Not a good place to be in. I guess there is a lesson we can learn from this and that is to step back from the situation, weigh everything up before we dive into our critical criticizing mode. You know, truthful, positive, constructive faith building and affirming criticism is a good thing when done in humility and honesty with the intent to be a part of the solution, rather than just being critical, without being willing to help to bring change to things. They weren't willing to help to bring change. God was in the business of change. We learn much from Peter here. He is so calm, measured, and wise in his approach. He knew God was in this, and he could quite have easily rejected all their criticism and said, listen, hold on, it's me. It's Peter. I was the one who was with Jesus. I was the one who ate with him. He was the one who spoke to me and said, you're going to lead my church. But he didn't. 
We can see that in verses 41 and 42. This was an important and decisive moment in the history of the New Testament church, which ushered in the grace of God to Gentiles, the likes of you and me. Hallelujah. So much so, there was a real struggle to come to terms with this new way of thinking and living for these, these Jews. Even after God had demonstrated and affirmed by clear signs that this was his will and purpose for the Gentiles, we still see, and further on in Acts, um, at the, the leaders' council in Jerusalem, there is uh, an issue, and the leaders there uh, address the circumcision group. And they say this in, chapter, uh, in, in verse 10. Now then, why do you test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor your ancestors have been able to bear. No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved just as they are. Hallelujah. This message had come from the apostles as earthly heads of the church of Christ. Some believers were not happy with what was happening. It was against their known learning and experience. And I guess their reaction was because they felt uncomfortable and out of their comfort zone. They found the change and challenge difficult. They had to trust the leadership who were doing the right thing. Surely the key questions uh, to be considered by the believers at that time would have been, is God in this change? Was it a blessing to the church? And the answer to those, both those questions is a resounding yes. Change is always difficult, whether it's in church, work, home, in our families. But God is a God of change. Let us seek to know what his will is and learn to lean on the Holy Spirit to guide us. Finally, in closing, I just want to capture the main points so you can take these away with you. First, there's a challenge. Are we positioning ourselves and expecting to hear from God? What did I say? Remember, it all started with... I can hear you. Prayer. Prayer. Excellent. Consider joining AMP. Second, application. On hearing from God, are we taking steps of obedience? Are we taking steps of obedience? Encouragement. Do you need help with weighing up a word God has given you? Then get alongside someone who can help you. The Holy Spirit always has a way of getting through. And in short summary, don't allow your traditions, your prejudices, your preconceptions to stand in the way of what God wants to do. Be wise. And if when you are critical, let it be constructive, faith-inspiring, with grace-led, and provide support to make it happen. I pray God will bless these to you. If anybody wants to talk any further about anything I've said, I'll be at the front. Let's just bow our heads and notice the time has gone on. Thank you. Father God, we thank you for this morning. We praise you. We bless you for your word. We pray that as we leave this place, your Holy Spirit will continue to help us, lead us and guide us, protect and protect us. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. Amen.
Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk and come along on any Sunday morning.